It's better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You're listening to an audio teaching from Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church located in Pasadena, Texas, and it is our mission to save the lost, equip the saved, serve both the lost and saved, and to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting at the beginning of a book and working until the end. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm sure you all weren't expecting me to be up here this morning. Some of you knew, but we got you fooled. So, yeah, Matthew asked me to um, step in today and, um, and teach, and um, him and his family went on a, a well-deserved getaway. So it, uh, it's good to see them back and smiles on their face and um, hopefully relaxed. So this, this day and age, you know, with all the information that we're, we're getting, it's become increasingly difficult to, to discern what's true and what's false. You know, we're bombarded constantly with, you know, information from the you know, social media, the Internet, uh, news, websites, um, statistics, facts, polls. I mean, it goes on and on. People's personal opinions. You'll have people tell you, well, I heard or I read or somebody told me. And without digging into everything, you know, there's, just, there's no way to tell if everything we're hearing and getting is, is true or false. You know, we kind of joke around, you know, it's, well, if it's on the Internet, it's got to be true. You know, and I remember seeing this, this commercial, and this girl's walking down the street, and she's got this guy with her, and her friend comes up and, and asks, well, who's that? And she said, oh, it's this guy I met on the Internet. He's from France. And he says, the guy introduced himself, and the guy says, bonjour, with, with no accent whatsoever. Right, So you, you know that he's not from France, but the girl saw he put that he was from France, and so, so be it. You know, it's on the Internet. It's got to be true. You know, we can, um, we can find anything on the Internet that will support anything. Any belief that somebody believes in, you're going to find some type of documentation that will support it or be against it no matter what it is. Uh, climate change. You know, you'll find stuff out there that's all for it. And then you'll find stuff out there that's against it. You know, and that some of these sites look legitimate. And it takes us to really dig in and find out, you know, what's true and what's factual and, and what's false. There's this study that was done by this professor, this psychologist, Robert Feldman. And he's with the University of Massachusetts. And what he did in this study is he, he took people in into a room and just had a lighthearted conversation with them, just had them talk about themselves and, you know, nothing serious, nothing, nothing important. And he recorded them, but they didn't know they were being recorded. And after this, um, after this 10 minutes, he would have, he'd bring them out and let them look at this, this video and ask them to point out, point out any discrepancies that, that might be in there. And, and through it all, they found that, each person lied on average two to three times in that 10 minutes. And that's just talking about basic stuff. You know what people refer to as, you know, little white lies. You know, lies are lies. But it's, 
you know, they're, it's, it, they gave false information, you know, probably to, you know, make themselves look better or whatever it may be. But if it's something so lighthearted that they're, they're giving fake information, false information, or, you know, just a little skewed, that if it's something important, you know, what are they going to do? If it's some agenda that they're trying to push along, something that's going to better themselves, you know, what are they going to tell us? You know, what, what kind of info are they giving us? And, you know, as we read through the Bible, you know, that, that's nothing new. This isn't something that all of a sudden started. You know, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, they taught things that supported what, what they wanted. You know, they, they put in Scripture, they taught Scripture, but they would put their twist on it. They would take things out of context, and, and they would do things that would, you know, lift them up in power, keep them in control, uh, line their pockets, you know, kept them wealthy. You know, these, these scribes and these Pharisees, you know, they were powerful people. You know, the, the scribes penned the law. The Pharisees taught the law. You know, they were the religious leaders. And, you know, the, um, the law is the, the first five books of the Bible. And it says in Matthew 23, 2, Jesus says the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. And so this seat, this isn't an actual physical seat. This isn't some big wooden chair that says Moses' seat, and these guys took turns sitting in this chair, and they were, you know, they were in control that time. This is a metaphor, metaphorical representation of power, control, authority. Um, you know, like a, a, um, a company, a, a um, chairman of the board. You know, they're, they, they're in control. They make decisions. They make um, stu stuff happen for a company or a university. Um, you know, you got chair people for departments that, that control and make decisions for the, these departments. And so if these people were, <clears throat> if they were writing the law, if they were teaching the law, they're religious leaders, they, they must be telling the truth, right? You know, we, we should take everything they say as, as being true. But, you know, that, that's, not, that's not accurate. You know, the, these people, they... They taught things and they did things that is going to benefit them to, to help them along whatever their agenda might be. That's, that's, what they, that's what they taught. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 13 through 15, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So right there, Jesus is confronting the, the scribes and the Pharisees, and he's telling them that you're teaching a false doctrine, you're living a lie, a life that doesn't re represent the, the word that you're teaching. You're, you're leading these people on a false, false teaching. You're going to go to hell for what you're doing. And the, the people that you're teaching, because they're following a fa false doctrine, that you're going to go to, they're going to hell themselves. You know, we're told to read, we're told to seek, we're told to, you know, find the truth in the Bible, to, to search the scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, test all things, hold fast to what is good.
So what does it mean to test? So test is telling us to examine with what we hear, what we're told, what, we, what we've read to the scripture. Compare it. Does it match up? We're told this. What does the scripture say? And, and if, it, if it matches up, then we know it's true. If it goes in line with God's word, then we know that it's, it's true. But if it doesn't, then we know we're being told something false. And that's what we need to do. We need to, we need to test everything that we've read, everything that we're told and hear, no matter where it is. You know, just, you, you go to church, you hear it on the radio, whatever it might be, take it back and examine in the scripture with what God's word says. His word's 100% true, and it, it, it's, it needs to match up. <clears throat> At creation.com, There was this Pew survey about Christian ignorance. And their results state on average that Christians were only able to answer six of the 12 questions they were asked about Christianity. Which, you know, 50%, that, that's telling me I got some learning to do. You know, we, we need to, to dig into that, that word and not just take for face value what we're taught and we're supposed to dig in and find that truth so we know. And it's not just getting knowledge. It's not, you know, we're, we're digging in so we just have information so we can tell others information. It's so this information will transform us and change us into Christ-like. And that's, that's the purpose of all this. It's not just for information, but it's to have transformation in our lives. You know, I love in, um, in Acts 17... 10 verses 10 and 11. So, so Paul and Silas, they're going to Berea and they get there and they go into the synagogues to, to teach the scripture. And it says, the people receive the word with all readiness and search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So when I read that, you know, I, I thought about baseball. I grew up playing baseball. And so it's like, okay, yeah, baseball. So, you know, to be all, to to be ready to receive. So I'm thinking, you know, here's the batter up to the plate. The pitcher gets ready to pitch, and those infielders are ready to receive that ball, ready to get that ball, ready to receive the word. And when they get that, they, they need to make a decision and decide what to do with it based on, you know, what's going on. And, you know, that's what they're doing here. They're, they're ready to receive the word. They're excited. And then it says they search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. You know, that's, um, that's a fantastic lesson for us. You know, we should be ready to get that scripture all the time. Not just on Sundays or midweek, but we should be taking that scripture and all, all the time. We should be ready to receive that constantly. And then taking what we hear and comparing it to the scriptures just like they did. We should be doing that exact same thing constantly. So we're going to be spending um, most of our time in Jude. And as we get into Jude, we're going to learn about false teachers and teachings, what's going to happen to them, and how to be prepared and what to do. You know, I love the way Jude starts off the letter. You know, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, brother of James, to those who are called. So he's writing this letter to those who are called to the Christians, to the believers, us. 
you know, and it, it says that, you know, he was Jesus's half brother. And, um, you know, I thought about that. And it's like, talk about having some sandals to fill, right? That's, um, you know, going behind him, you know, someone that does something perfect and, and never makes a mistake. You know, your, um, your parents are going to be expecting a lot out of you. You know, I thought, you know, it's like Mary's going to be getting after Jude. You know, Jude, why can't you act like your big brother Jesus? You know, he always does everything right. He never argues, you know, and um, it, it would have been a challenge. But he didn't do that. He identified himself as a, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. You know, he was a slave of sin. He was set free by, by the love of Jesus Christ up on the sin, or uh, excuse me, up on the cross. He died for his sin, and he was set free. And he wants to go back and serve the, the one that did that for him. You know, Jesus Christ, not his brother, but Jesus Christ. And, and you know where it says that, you know, bondservant of Jesus Christ, we should put our name in there. You know, whatever your name is, you know, Phil, bondservant of Jesus Christ, we should want to do the same. You know, it's, um, it, it's, it's a great feeling. It's, it's so fulfilling to serve him. It's rewarding. It's um, no matter what it is, it's, um, it, it, it's good. So in verse 3, Jude says, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. So here Jude is, is urging the believers to fight for the faith. You know, the faith, the word of God, our salvation in Jesus Christ. You know, we need to fight for that. And, and what he had to write about was so important, so urgent, that he had to write it then and get it to these believers. And when you look up the definition of the, the Greek word uh, contend, it, it's, it's to agonize. And that's not like agonize, like you're in pain or you're, you're suffering. So it's, um, you know, like a, um, a sports, you know, an athlete or... Um, a soldier in combat, right? They're, they're, they're going to do everything in their power, everything in their strength. They're going to give it all to do whatever. You know, they're going to contend. They're, they're agonizing. They're, they're giving everything they can to, to win. And that's exactly what Jude is telling us to do for our faith, is to, to contend, to agonize, to give everything we have in, in defending this faith. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12 to fight the good fight of faith. <clears throat> and, and so fighting the good fight of faith, contending, agonizing, defending the faith, that doesn't mean we, we go out and pick fights. It doesn't mean we become overbearing and, and shove the gospel down people's throats and be loud and obnoxious and overbearing. You know, we're supposed to do this in, in a way that, that Christ did. He's our example. And we should do that, you know, with love and compassion. And when we see someone struggling, you know, praying with them and showing them the gospel if they're, you know, going down the wrong path. And, you know, through our lives, the way we live our lives, that light shining through us, you know, that, that's how we fight for it, not, not by being obnoxious. And at the end of verse 3, it says, Once for all, delivered to the saints. So that's saying that, that God's, word was was delivered as a package deal once the scripture was all complete it was it was delivered and not to be edited changed in any way any format not to be added to not to be uh, taken away from not to be 
taken out of context. It was, it was to be left alone. You know, it's the perfect word. There, it doesn't need to be edited. And, you know, we, we see churches, we see uh, individuals, we see different religions doing just that. They, will, they have a motive. They have um, something going on that they want to use the scripture to, to push that along, to fit their agenda. In Revelation 22, 18 and 19, it says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to them the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So here we're, we're warned. Don't mess with God's word. Don't touch it. Don't edit it. Don't alter it. Don't add to it. Just leave it as it is. It's perfect and doesn't need to be touched. So here we see the first few verses are an introduction to, to Jude, um, who he's writing to, um, the urgency of needing to write this letter, and the seriousness of defending for the faith. Now as we, we continue on in verses 4 through 19, you know, we're going to see how the, these people that we're defending the faith from, you know, what their, their punishment is, who they are, and, and what it is that they're doing. Verse 4, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So these people that we're defending the faith from, you know, they're, they're ungodly men. You know, they, they've slipped into the church. They're, they're false teachers. And they've, you know, they've, they've slept in... Um, you know, by their, their cunningness, their, you know, their acting, you know, looking good. You know, they, and they, they use God's goodness for their, their benefits, for their immoral lifestyle, to profit, to gain something, to gain something for themselves. It's not about giving or, or you know, serving God, but it, it's what can they get. They deny that, you know, that Christ is the only way to salvation. You know, there's the, the, some that'll, you know, works and, you know, other things that they'll, they'll say, and they just do that to, to fit their needs. You know, in 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter talked about these false teachers. He said, they, they will be here. And now Jude, here he is saying that they're here now. They're here in our church. They're in the midst of us. And we got to figure out who they are by, you know, testing the scripture, testing the things that they're saying. You know, they, they look good. They say some of the right things. They, they fit in. They seem nice. Um, they, they play the part. Um, you know, a movie. You know, an actor plays a part for something, and that's not who that actor is. He's just playing a part, and that's kind of like what these false teachers are, these certain men, you know, that they're, they're just they're playing a part to, to get something in return. You know, they, um, they become leaders. They have their own churches. They, um, they teach a false doctrine, and, and in the end, they lead people astray. You know, they, they lead them down the, the wrong trail, the wrong path. You know, just like sin, you know, sin looks on the outside, it looks attractive. It looks, wow, look at those guys, they're drinking, they're having fun, or whatever it is, you know, these people are doing. 
just like these false teachers. They seem nice on the outside. They say the right things. They, they may act spiritual. They may throw in a little scripture here and there and put their twist on it, but they look good from the outside. And sin, you know, in the end, it, it, it hurts. It leaves you disappointed. It, it leads you astray, and it leads you uh, more distant from God. And that's exactly what these false teachers are doing. They, they teach you um, false, false doctrine. They take stuff from you. And they, they take it and they leave. And in the end, you're just left, you know, damaged and broken and, and further away from God than you were. And, and look at the, the characteristics of these guys, right? Ungodly, they pervert grace, and they deny Christ. You know, they, these aren't people that I want to follow, not people that I want to be my example, not people that I want to follow after and, 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 you know, live up to. It's, it's not. They're, you know, they're, they're doing all these wrong things. They're not, they're not good people. In verses 5 through 8, you know, we're going we're gonna to see some of these sins these certain men, these false teachers have committed and the judgment that they're going to experience as a result of these sins. Verse 5, But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality, and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these dreamers, which are the false teachers, the certain men that have crept in, defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Wow, there's a bunch of stuff there in those four chapters, a bunch of powerful stuff. You know, it's a common theme that you see there. You know, in, in verse 5, the Israelites, they didn't listen. They did what they wanted to. They grumbled. They complained. They resisted authority. They, they didn't trust God. And in the end, you know, God, God punished them by having them wander the wilderness until that generation died off. Remember at one point, though, even in no time at all, so God goes up to the top of the mountain, right? Or uh, Moses goes up to meet God on the mountain. And the, the people are, you know, wanting something to worship. So they, they convince Aaron to melt all the gold, and they make a golden calf, and they're worshiping this, this false idol. And, and you know, they're, uh, they were judged for that. You know, a bunch of them were, were killed off right there. Verses 6 and 7 compare some angels that were cast out of heaven to Sodom and Gomorrah and other cities. You know, they, they did what they wanted to do. They pleased themselves with um, committing uh, immoral sexual acts, uh, homosexuality, um, strange, you know, they just did strange stuff. And, and they were destroyed, you know, by fire and cast down to hell for all the, this, this false stuff that they were doing. And if God judged these angels, you know, they're, they're certainly, or he's certainly going to judge these false teachers, these certain men, these dreamers. So what Jude was 
just talking about it happened in the past. You know, they, that these people, um, these followers, they, they did what they wanted to do to please themselves, and, and they were destroyed. Now, you see in, in verse 8, it says, uh, Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. So you see the word likewise. So here, Judah's saying that these current false teachers, they're doing the same thing as the, the people that we just read about in, in verses 5 through 7. They're committing these same, these same evil acts, these same perversions, these same unnatural sexual acts. And, and um, you know, we saw how it turned out for those folks. Verse 9, yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dare not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts. And these things they corrupt themselves. So here you see Michael contending with the devil about Moses. And the, the Bible really doesn't address what that, that fight is. There's, there's some, uh, when you read some commentaries, there's some thoughts and some ideas of what it could be, some speculation. But um, I'm not really going to get into that part of it. It doesn't pertain to this. But um, the thing to notice is that, that Michael, he didn't curse the devil like these false teachers did in verses 8 and 10, where it says they speak evil of dignitaries and speak evil of whatever they do not know. Michael relied on the, the strength of God. You know, he, he didn't try to fight the battle on his own. And, and you can see that when he said, the Lord rebuke you. You know, he, he used God's strength to, to fight this battle. He didn't attempt it on his own. And that, you know, and that, that's a good example of, for us, you know, that, that we need to fight the battles with God's strength. We can't do this on our own. You know, we're, we're facing these false teachers and, and these false teachings, you know, the, the teachers, you know, they, they could know, um, many of them know scripture well, you know, I mean, the, you know, Satan and the demons, they, they know scripture, they know the word, but that doesn't mean that they're believers, they're followers of Christ, right? And so these false teachers, we, we need to have God's, God's power, his strength, and we get that through his word and through prayer. Verse 11. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. So here, Jude gives us three Old Testament uh, examples of people that did things their own way, people that resisted authority, or people that, that wanted to, or you know, someone that wanted to do something for profit, to make money, to line their pockets. And, and in the end, you know, they, they were judged by God for what they, what they did. Genesis 4 tells us, you know, that Cain became angry and killed his brother. You know, he became angry because God didn't accept his offering. God wanted, he, he wanted something that Cain didn't give him. God wanted, uh, you know, it, it, he demanded life and Cain gave of his crops. And so he tried to come to God on his own terms. He thought, well, I'm giving my best, and I'm going to, you know, come that way. And, and God resisted it. He wasn't happy with it. And, and so, you know, God punished him and condemned him to a life of wandering. You know, he tried to do it his own way and not God's way. 
In Numbers chapter 22 through 25, it talks about the story of Balaam. You know, he was a prophet who became a prophet for hire. You know, he took the, the gifts that, that God blessed him with and he used them to, to try to make money. And Balak had hired him to, um, to curse the nation of Israel. And every time he tried to curse him, all he could do was bless Israel. And, and you know, it's, you know, we see those things today. You know, we see how that people will take and, and gifts that they're given and use it just to, to benefit themselves, to make money for themselves, or to grow in power, whatever it might be. In Numbers chapter 16, it tells us the story of Korah. So Korah and 250 others wanted, wanted to be in, in, in charge and have power and control, and they resisted the, the authority that was given to Moses and Aaron by God. And so they, they went up against Moses, and in the end, God split the ground open, swallowed up the 250 plus their households, and, and they all died. You know, they were seeking that power. You know, and, and with those stories there that, you know, Judas is telling us that these false teachers that are, are currently in the church, currently out here now, you know, they're, they're doing the same things that these people are doing. They're, they're leading people. They, wanna, they want power. They want control. They want fame, fortune, you know, and, and they're going to face God's judgment just like these folks did in the past. As we get into verses 12 and 13, we're going to see some more about these false teachers. It says that there are spots in your love feast. While they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So here when it starts off, talking about a love feast. So that was kind of like a, a fellowship meal that, that Christians had um, early in the church, that they would get together. It's like a, a, a potluck. And so people would bring food, and there were you know poor people that could only afford to bring a little, and, and wealthier people that would bring a lot. But these these false teachers, these dreamers, these certain men that, that crept in, you know, when it says that, you know, they're a, a spot, you know, it's a blemish on that meal. They came in, they were self-serving. They came in, they, they took and they ate and they didn't care how much, you know, they ate and ate. They didn't bring anything to the, this banquet, this, this meal. And then they left and they didn't care if people got food or not. As long as they got something, they got what they wanted. That's all they cared about. And that's, you know, same with these, these teachers that we're, we're reading about. They're, they're, they're teaching us something false. They're, they're teaching a false doctrine, but it's all just to get something for themselves. And that's all they care about. You know, the description about the clouds without water. So as a farmer you would have these clouds that are going to come over and you're hoping for rain. You know, it brings you hope. Oh, great, my crops are going to be watered and my, my, they're going to grow and they're going to produce and I'm going to have food. Well, these, these 
false teachers, they're like these clouds that, that come over. They don't drop any rain. So they, the hope goes away. And that's what these false teachers are doing. They come in and they say some things. They do some things. And they build up hope in people, but then they, they leave, and that hope's gone. And, and, you know, as the crops would die off, you know, these people are hurt and damaged from, you know, these, these false teachers, these clouds without water. The late autumn trees, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. So this is saying that these, these false teachers, that they're spiritually dead. So these trees, late autumn, they should be producing fruit, but they're not. And when it goes on to explain about um, uh, twice dead pulled up by the roots, so you might have seen a tree that's dead. You, you think there might be some hope, but then when it's pulled up by the roots, it's laying on its side, the roots are all exposed, that there's no way this tree is going to ever grow, is ever going to produce anything. And that's what it's saying about the, these teachers, that they are never going to be um, fruit producers. They're never going to be spiritually sound and they're, they're lost and they're, they're never going to do anything. And then the wandering stars. The stars, you know, they, they, were, they were and can be used for navigation. You know, and um, the, these false teachers, or excuse me, the, the you know, wandering stars, you know, they're, they're like the false teachers, right? They, you, you try to follow them for navigation and pretty soon they just burn out, they go away, you can't see them. And so if you're following these false teachers, these wandering stars, these certain men, that, you know, as you're following them, pretty soon they're gone. You know, they, they've left, they've gone to do something else, destroy somewhere else, and you're left astray, you're left lost. And this one here I, I really like, because um, living here in the Gulf, and... Um, you know, the raging waves of the sea foaming up their shame. So, you know, when I read this, I thought about hurricanes, right? And so on the, on the coast, hurricanes come in. Those waves are just pounding. They're destroying the coast, and it's just pounding and pounding and wreaking havoc. And, you know, they're, they're, the waves are busy doing stuff. The storm goes. It, it leaves. The sun comes out. And all that's left in its place is just destruction, devastation, you know, and that's, that's what they're saying. These, these teachers are like, they're like these waves. They come in and they're busy doing stuff. But in the end, destruction, devastation, damage has, has been done. You know, they're, they're hurt lives. And, and um, I just, I really like that, uh, that description about the waves. Especially here, you know, we go through these hurricanes and uh, we know what devastation's like. You know, verses 16 through 19, it continues on describing these certain men, these false teachers. You know, they're grumblers, they're complainers. Um, they walk according to their own lusts. They, they say nice things. Um, they, they're flattering, you know, they'll, but they're not flattering because, you know, they're being nice. They're flattering because they want to get something out of it. They want to get something in return. What, what's going to benefit them? They'll say and, and deceive and lie to do that. You know, and the, the, uh, the apostles, they told us about these certain men, these false teachers, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, and, and all this, is, it's a warning to us. You know, just as, as Michael did with Satan and, and, and fighting over Moses' body, you know, he relied on God's power. And we should be, be doing the same thing. We should be relying on God's power, his strength, and not fighting this stuff on our own because there's no way we'll win on our own. <clears throat> 
you know, many of the things that, like I started off with, you know, you, you, we're getting all this information all the time, and, you know, we can't tell if it's true or false without investigating until we start digging in. And verse 21, 20 and 21 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on the most holy, on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So here, you know, this is instruction for us to, to build ourselves up. And building ourselves up is by spending time with God, by reading the word, by praying, by having that relationship and getting closer to him. And he'll be the one that will give us that strength to defend. He will give us the truth. He will reveal that to us in this scripture. We need to keep our eyes on, on Jesus. You know, we need to be ready for his return. And, and, and doing these things, you know, it's, um, it, it helps us grow. You know, there's, we're responsible for our own growth. You know, I can't make Phil, you know, become more spiritual, more, more you know, have a closer relationship to God. It's up to Phil to do that. You know, we can, we can be here together and we can encourage, we can help each other, we can serve but in the end, it's up to Phil to build up his own, his own growth with God, build up that relationship and get closer. And at last, for those who have been sucked in by false teachers, you know, verse 22 and 23 gives us some, um, some ways how to deal with them. You know, and it talks about, um, and on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear pulling them out of the fire. So, you know, there are some when, you know, you see somebody that's doing something and you can approach them and talk to them um, in a, a compassionate way. You can, you know, pray with them. You can open up scripture and share and, and, and help them to, to be able to see what they're doing or what they're learning is, is wrong, is false. And others, it says, save with fear, pull them out of the fire. So there are some that, you know, you're going to try to do that and they're going to resist. They're still going to want to do what they want. But because we care about people, right? We care about what's best for them. That sometimes you just have to flat out say, you know, what you're doing is, is wrong. And, and where you're going is going to lead you to hell. You know, and just and grab them. And like it says, pull them out of the fire. You know, try to, try to you know, wake them up. Get them to see, you know, the, the, the path they're on is wrong. You know, I, I hope... This is an encouragement for everybody. I know after reading about this, it really got me thinking about how much I need to dig into things. Because I, I know for a long time, man, I was a, especially with the election, all that, I was a big news fiend, right? So I, I would take a lot of stuff in and, you know, something, it's like you take it for face value and you go and tell someone, hey, I, I heard this. And so this, this really got me thinking that, you know, I, I, no matter what it is, I, I need to research, I need to dig in. And, um, and especially when it um, uh, involves, you know, where we're going, our eternity. You know, where do we want to end up? We want to make sure that we have the truth and, and, and know where it's going to lead us. You know, we're, with everything we're told, we're told to test. You know, we're told to test, like in First Thessalonians. Test what you hear, what you see. Is it true? Is it false? Compare that to the Bible. Test it. Does it match up? You know, being in the Word every day, being in prayer every day, 
having that relationship with God, you know, that's going to help us to be ready and armed for battle. And it's going to help us to contend for the faith. Thanks. All right. Well, Father God, we want to thank you for this time that we're able to spend in your word, Lord. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word, Lord, that we know is completely true, Father, that there's nothing we need to do with it except to, to read it, learn it, know it, and, and apply it to our lives so that we can have a deeper, growing relationship with you, Father. So I just pray for all of us, Lord, that as we, we leave here today, Father, that we would take what we learn and we would have that greater desire to, uh, to investigate, Father, to be able to uh, tell true from false, Father, and, and that our, our relationship with you would get closer, Father, to where um, we would just be a living proof of you in our lives, Father. So again, we just we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.